Welcome to With That Being Said, a podcast on life, love, and everything in between. I'm so glad you've decided to join the conversation. Hi, I'm Esther Boykin. And I'm Erica Turner. And with that being said, we're wearing pajamas all weekend. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so today's episode, I'm super excited. This yeah, is like too. my favorite topic. Yeah. It's really important stuff. Yeah. Plus, pajamas all day. Like, yeah. <laughs> I will write that prescription, even though I can't really write prescriptions. No, but if I had a prescription notepad, that's totally what I would that's do. That's what I would do. Yeah. Lots of clients need mm-hmm. that prescription. It does. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, my daughter's doctor, who I just love and adore, wrote her prescription for uh, netaporter.com. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure we don't actually need to do that. I don't think that's helping her health. And she's like, but she loves fashion. So I feel like it's really important for her. I really want your daughter's <laughs> pediatrician, even though I'm an adult. I'm excited. She would totally see you. She would totally enjoy that. <laughs> Bring that home to my husband. The doctor said. The doctor said we have to go here. Yes. That's what he said. Yeah. Or she said. She said. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, yeah, but I thought that was really funny, which does make me feel like it was a little bit of a, like, self-care prescription, right? Like. Yeah, definitely. It's important to, like, make time and take care of yourself and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I'm excited. You're excited. I think it's probably time for us to introduce today's guest. Um, I love it when we have guests and we get to chat with new fun people. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. So I'm super excited to welcome Tara Jefferson of the youngmommylife.com. She is our guest today and we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Young mom life, self-care, all kinds of really cool things. Um, But I always like to start with, uh, tell us a little bit about you. So, like, what's the 30-second bio? Who is Tara Jefferson? And um, what is the youngmommylife.com all about? Sure. Um, Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for asking me to join you on this podcast. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. (laughs) Um, So the 30-second kind of spiel on me is I am a young mother of two. I had my first child when I was in college and I started the young mommy life because I couldn't find media that represented where I was in life. I couldn't find, you know, magazines or movies or TV shows where, you know, young women were, you know, graduating college and balancing motherhood and trying to find fulfilling jobs and balancing um, as well, you know, kind of tenuous relationships or new relationships. And so since I couldn't find that information anywhere, I decided to create it and I created it in 2008. So here I am now 2015 still going and and planning events and really doing my part to really empower young mothers to kind of give them the space to figure out how it is they grow into their womanhood while they are nurturing their family. I love it. Not everybody knows, but I guess I'm going to claim I'm still a young mother, right? Because I'm still relatively (laughs) (laughs) young-ish. So um, certainly I've I've also been a big fan of what you're doing. I I can certainly relate to that. Um, My kids are old now, so I guess technically I'm an old mom, but... When they were young, I was definitely very young and, and it is hard. It's, it's a unique, um, it's a unique place to be, particularly 
if you are doing some of the things that, you know, Eric and I were talking about looking at your site, some of those support stuff around, you know, being able to finish college or moving on to grad school or, you know, the things that you want to do that there isn't necessarily a guidebook for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I mean, I feel like your website is just so helpful in offering a very unique perspective and practical tools for, you know, folks who are at that stage in their life, because I really can't even think of, you know, other, other folks or other sites who are kind of, you know, providing information from that point of view, from the young mom, like the mom who's, you know, focused on her kids and is a bit younger, but also sort of focused on her career and holding everything together. Um, You know, I don't think there's, you know, a lot of people who have that, you know, same perspective, but who are actively blogging and that sort of thing. So it it was really refreshing, actually, to come across your site and to read, um, you know, some of the articles there. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Um, I get a lot of, you know, emails or tweets from readers and they read my site. And the thing that I'm, I think I'm most proud of, I mean, I've done a lot of things since I founded the website, but I think what I'm most proud of is the fact that people kind of view my site as it's kind of home for them. Um, It's a safe space where they don't feel judged. They feel like it's the opportunity for them to read something and they you kind of discover, oh, you know, somebody else is going through this, too. And so I think the biggest thing that I take away from my website is that it's a community. It's a true, authentic community that, you know, I wasn't really at the when I began the site, I wasn't really thinking about building, you know, a community. I was just kind of venting <laughs> about, you know, certain frustrations that I had and it kind of morphed into a community. And I think that's what I'm most proud of, because I do believe that this journey Um, It's easier when you have people to walk alongside you. And that's kind of why I picked the um, kind of motto for this site um, is, you know, it takes a village to raise a young mother. And it does. We need other people, you know, to kind of be there with us as we walk through and and as we, you know, encounter challenges or even there are other people there to celebrate with us um, when we have something, you know, that we've accomplished. Right. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the, um, just that concept of community and that being really important. I know personally that was something that was hard to find because if you're on the younger side, but you're trying, you know, you don't really connect with people who are your age because their lifestyle is very different. They don't have Mm -hmm. kids. They're, you know, if you happen to be married or with, you know, your child's father, they're, they're not necessarily in that serious committed relationship. But then other moms or other wives are also at a very different place in their life because they're older. They've already Mm -hmm. accomplished some things. And so finding a community of people where you can connect and make friendships is interesting. And so it makes me think about the self-care retreat that you just hosted. And I know you've got some, you know, you've been really working on having more events. Um, I was just curious how... How did you get that idea? Is it Did it flow out of that sense of community? And what's been the benefits? Or what do you see as the benefits for women really making time for that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I um, have a example, really. I think the self-care retreat is something um, that my mother kind of inadvertently, not knowingly, um, inspired in me uh, when I was younger. And when life and her work and everything just kind of got overwhelming, um, she had three children, you know, in like four years. And, um, you know, what my mother would do maybe once a year, maybe twice a year is that she would go and book herself 
a hotel room for the weekend and my sisters and I, we would stay home with my father and she would go and, you know, order room service and sleep <laughs> all weekend and just come back um, a new woman and, and be ready to enjoy us <laughs> and enjoy motherhood again. And I always, you know, my mother would tell me now that I have children, she would say, well, you need to just go get yourself a hotel room. You need to take a break. You need a weekend off. And, you know, I, I would say I wanted to do it. I wanted, you know, I kept saying that for years and years and years. My children are almost, you know, 10 years old now and I hadn't done it. And so what I realized was what was true for me is also true for a lot of women is that we need someone to kind of tell us that it's okay um, to reassure us that going away for the weekend does not make us a bad mother. It doesn't make us selfish. Um, but in fact, it's what can refuel us and can make us feel um, feel whole again. And so I wanted to come up with the self-care retreat because it was a way to give women kind of an excuse, right, to get out of the house. Um, it's not necessarily just you going away because you feel like it, but it's you going um, in community with other women. So I know a lot of women would feel more comfortable going away for the weekend if it was a business conference or if it was something like that. And so I kind of made it in the same vein as a business conference. So instead of looking at your professional life, this is, you know, a opportunity to invest in your personal life. It was um, September 18th through the 20th. So um, a little over a week ago. And it was amazing. It, it really exceeded my expectations. And all of the women who came to the retreat, you know, they've come to me afterwards. We're in a group on Facebook now and we're sharing ideas on self-care and sharing how our lives, uh, how we're sh making shifts in our lives to create more room for ourselves. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so thankful to the women who decided to come because they kind of reinforce in me the importance of self-care. So I can't wait to do it all over again next year. I'm so excited. I was happened to be there, which was really great. Um, and so it was really exciting to see all of these women kind of coming together and, and that value. But I like the story about your mom, you know, moms always inspiring us to do things when we don't know <laughs> it. But I think as therapists, Eric and I, we, we talk about that kind of stuff all the time. I think the upside is professionally, it's kind of, you know, it's a requirement. Right. We have an excuse of being therapists that if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of our clients. But I think, you know, women, especially moms, really struggle with this idea that they're worthy or that they um, have earned the right to take care of themselves. There's always sort of, I'm going to put myself last. And I just wondered, I was, as you were speaking, I was wondering, you know, how do how do moms sort of give themselves permission to say, like, no, taking care of myself is is a real priority. How do you think moms can do that? It sounds like the retreat sort of let them that was one way they could kind of get, you know, permission. But I have questions about why why moms think they need to get permission to take care of themselves and also mm -hmm. what they can do to sort of feel like this is OK. This is this is part of you know what I need. I think that it's it's part of overall, you know, culture is kind of the messaging that moms receive, you know, that you're um, always on. You're the first line of defense, particularly, um, you know, single parents or single mothers. I know they struggle a lot with the self-care piece because especially because they don't necessarily always have 
um, that second parent to lean on. Um, but one thing that really kind of made it click for me in terms of stop waiting for permission or stop um, putting myself last on the list is I would look at my husband and I feel like men have a very different idea of what self-care is and, and what you have to do to get it. Um, my husband would not um, hesitate. You know, if he had a long week, he would not hesitate to be like, hey, I'm going to be in the house in my pajamas <laughs> from, you know, Friday night to Sunday evening. Like I need a break and I'm tired. So this is what it's going to be. Whereas, you know, I would feel guilty, you know, for doing the same thing or I would say, okay, well, I'll take a little break here on, you know, Saturday morning and then maybe we'll do something with the kids. And and it really took me, you know, kind of examining the difference between myself and my husband and realizing that even though we had the same children, we have relatively, you know, kind of worked the same hours. Um, we have the same bills, you know, we have all of the same stressors, but my life, I kind of perceived it as so much more hectic, so much more draining, so much more overwhelming than he did. And I had to look and say, like, why is that the case? And it wasn't until I adjusted, you know, my own self-care and my own views on taking care of myself that I began to feel like our lives more closely resembled each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, kind of like that you're having a more similar experience as him where you don't feel, I mean, I'm sure you still feel like you have a lot on your plate, but it sounds like not feeling as overwhelmed and as mm-hmm. sort of burnt out um, as you were before when you, it sounds like you felt like you had to sort of keep this train going like in constant motion without any sort of break. Exactly. Yeah, I and I, I like that you mentioned that because I do think sometimes when we're in even what, even if you don't have kids, but I think sometimes when we're in relationships, we look at our partner and it's easy to sort of get frustrated with them. Like, oh, they're like, look how much time off they're taking. They're so relaxed. And they're like, don't they see all this stuff? And it really, you really sort of point out like, yes, part of it is that he makes those decisions. But part of the dynamic is also that you weren't allowing yourself to make those same choices to say, you know what? Where everybody's going to be in pajamas all weekend, and that would be okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I had a conversation with my husband, you know, about that. Like, why am I so stressed, and you're always, you know, kind of relaxed and laid back? And he kind of looked at me like, so is the answer to our dilemma, you know, for for him to stress more, or is it for me to stress less? Mm-hmm. And the answer was for me to stress less. You know, I didn't necessarily want him to be more overwhelmed and overworked, but I wanted to kind of relieve what I felt was pressure. Um, and so it, it really comes down to what I, the one thing that I started to do was I looked at, and I went to therapy um, and with my therapist, you know, we kind of discovered, you know, what is the most stressful part of my day? And, you know, when is my energy the lowest? When am I just really dragging and just cranky? And when I kind of determined, okay, it's, you know, weekdays from three, from um, like four to seven, you know, kids are getting home, it's homework, it's dinner, it's all of that stuff. And once I could kind of determine, you know, what's the craziest part of my day, and then looking to see how can I make that easier? um, How could my partner help? How could the kids help? That really made a difference in my life and, and making things easier for myself. That's like my number one line of defense of, you know, of self-care. I, I love <laughs> discovering new ways to make life easier for myself. 
And um, I really kind of encourage moms to do that, even though we're not really taught that it's good to make things easier for yourself. Um, I really try to encourage moms to take inventory of everything that you have going on and seeing ways where you can um, realistically kind of alleviate your stress. Yeah, I really love that. I really like how you sort of broke it down, um, you know, with the therapist and, and, you know, sort of figuring out what is, what do you need to do to make it easier? It reminds me on your site, you have, um, I think it's a series of posts where you talk about um, smashing your goals. Mm -hmm. And I just love that series because so often, you know, in, in my, my personal experience in my work with clients, you know, we have these goals, but we don't really sit down and think about what we need to do to make them concrete. Um, and I feel like that series does a really good job of that. Can you talk a little bit about sort of what led you to, you know, create that sort of series and, and your thinking around sort of smashing your goals and that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, it's funny because smashing, you know, I came up with the Smasher Goals worksheet and the um, I think it was a five part Smasher Goals course or um, series on the website. And it came from um, me really getting in touch with myself. And I kind of mentioned in my introduction, I write for women who generally, you know, became mothers before they were like fully fledged, fully realized women. Um, so when you have a baby, you know, at the beginning of your journey to womanhood, you know, that self-discovery piece that everybody kind of touts in your 20s, it can be muted or it can be um, kind of delayed in a, in a sense. And so, you know, a lot of the women who come to my website, you know, haven't really had an opportunity to think about or consider, well, what do I really want for my life or what do I um, you know, want my life to look like in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. And instead, we're just kind of operating in survival mode and kind of going, um, you know, day to day, kind of reactive to things that happen to us in life. And so I came up with the Smash Your Goals worksheet and series because I really wanted women to take those questions into consideration. You know, what do you want out of life? And how do you go, once you determine that, how do you go about getting it? And I really believe in the power of, you know, kind of writing down your goals, breaking them down into, you know, smaller action steps that you can realistically complete and then going for it full force without fear, without, you know, questioning whether or not you're good enough or whether or not you're worthy to kind of reach those goals. Um, and so that's why I created um, the Smash Your Goals piece for my site, because I really wanted to encourage women to go after whatever it is that they're um, looking to achieve. That's awesome. I just think that's really awesome because I think for moms especially, but really for any of us, it's so easy to be carried along by what's happening day to day, to be carried along by what's happening with your spouse, with your kids, with your work, without taking time to really stop and sort of reflect on, well, what do I really want? What do I really want my life to look like in two years and five years and 10 years? Um, you know, even if you have kids, hopefully those kids aren't going to live at home forever. So <laughs> <Better not. laughs> one hopes. Um, so it's, you know, figuring out what you want the long arc of your life, of your life to look like. Um, so I think that's that mindset of saying, 
okay, it's not just I have goals and dreams, but I'm I'm taking these steps to get to those goals and dreams is so important. Mm-hmm. I think it's a nice fit too, in terms from a self-care perspective. I mean, I think there is something that is um, just good for each of us as individuals to feel like there is, there are some goals and we have, and a plan to get there, whether it's a goal you're going to get to next week or, you know, next decade, it doesn't really matter, but having that and, and back to the piece about create, making your life a little easier. So creating that space on a daily basis where you are focused on you, I think helps you to get back on that train to smashing your goals because you need space, you need time to yourself to to clear your head and and to think about those things. So I think it's great stuff. I want to thank you again. Um, I'm, you know, just really thrilled. I had such a great time at the retreat and I'm so thrilled that you made time to join us on the podcast today. So for everyone who wants to learn more about smashing your goals, self-care, Tara has lots of really great resources for all kinds of things. Um, Not just for young moms, but definitely for young moms. Um, If you are young or just feel like a young mother, (laughs) you definitely want to go to theyoungmommylife.com. You can also find her on Facebook. Um, I think it's also the Young Mommy Life um, on Facebook. And on Twitter, it's the Young Mommy. Definitely check it out. I know she's got lots of very exciting things brewing, good stuff for women and mothers, and lots of really good self-care and and moving forward. Yeah. Thanks for speaking with us today, Tara. Thank you for having me. So it was really, I love Tara. She's super sweet. It was actually a lot of fun. It was one of the better retreats I've been to. Um, she's just so organized. But I love yeah. what you were talking about with the the idea of like giving ourselves permission. It totally made me think about um, Brene Brown, which, you know, we're obsessed with, or at least I'm obsessed with. Yeah, I'm also obsessed <laughs> with her. I tried really hard not to be, and I totally failed. Yeah, no, it's, she's like right up there, one of like my top, therapist crushes. I feel like we need an episode where we just talk about like all of our therapist crushes, like all the people we're obsessed with because their work is amazing and they're brilliant and they're like funny and nice and all that. And bringing good things to the world. Yeah, exactly. But she talks about this. um, She, I think you can still sign up for it. It was like an e-course like through like O.com, like Oprah's network or something. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that she did in the e-course and she's talked about before, like in Ted talks and in her books is this idea of like actually writing yourself permission slips, (laughs) which seems like the silliest concept ever, except we do, we all struggle with like giving ourselves permission to do things. And I have, I've done it in my office. I mean, I've had people who, you know, after a breakup and they're just like, I'm so mad at myself. I'm so sad. I'm Mm -hmm. sick of crying where I'm just like, I want you to go home and I want you to write a permission slip that says, it's okay. I give myself permission to be sad or I give my permission, self permission to cry for, you know, 10 minutes a day about, you know, this relationship that logically you feel good about having ended, but it's still sad. And I think it's the same thing with self-care. Like there's just days where, um, I make them appointments in my schedule. Like there are things I need to do Mm -hmm. that are really just about taking care of myself that will go weeks and I don't do them. And I've learned like, I put it in my calendar and it literally acts like a permission slip. Like, well, it is on my schedule today. So I have to make time to get a massage or whatever. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, honestly, having been a therapist now for a number of years, some years at this point, (laughs) um, I forget sometimes how hard it is for folks who are not sort of taught about self-care. Like, 
you know, when we are, when you're becoming a therapist, you are, it is drilled in your head that you have to take care of yourself. Like it is just crazy how much Mm -hmm. they talk about it. I used to get annoyed. And then I became a therapist (laughs) and I understood why. And so you get used to sort of saying, you know, for the most part, like, it's easy for me to go, I need to do this because it is part of my job. It is actually part of my job to be like a functioning, healthy human being, emotionally stable human being, or else I cannot be that person for my clients. So my, yeah. I have like the ultimate trump card, like I need to do this for my job. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. doing it. It's, <laughs> it's sort of this magic permission slip that we have because this is our job. And right. so if I don't, if I'm not taking care of me, I can't help other people take care of themselves and their families and their relationships. Um, but you're right. You forget that in just regular life, where yeah, you don't. it's really hard to, like I can remember before I was a therapist, it was really hard to give myself that permission. And it obviously is something I, you know, speak with clients to about, uh, speak with clients um, about a lot. Um, but I, I think, you know, the way that we look at it in therapy is also helpful for anyone, which is that I cannot be functional for other people if I don't, if I'm not well within myself. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, you, you can't, you had that great quote about, um, I think it was on your blog maybe about <laughs> sort of, I can't fill your cup if my cup isn't full or I can't, yeah. I'm, I'm butchering that I think, but I will probably butcher it if I have to say it from memory, but I know exactly the quote you're talking about where it, essentially that it's, um, it's not self-indulgent. It's not right. self-indulgent to fill up your own cup. It's really, uh, there's another quote I like where it's like self-care is like a matter of survival. Right. If I'm not filling me up, then there's nothing left for anybody else. And I think most of us in relationships, um, especially, you know, talking about, you know, sort of Tara's particular audience around moms, like you're always, every day is about filling up somebody else's cup of right. like goodness. And so how do you keep doing that if you don't ever stop and refill yourself? Right. And I think too, for parents, you know, one of the things that when I'm working with parents, I'll say is what also, what kind of model do you want for your kids? Like Tara's mom had that sort of model of I'm going to take this time to myself and have this weekend. And that's a great model to sort of present that, you know, you are a person outside of just being their mother you want when your kids to grow up, you don't want them to sort of only be their child's parent. You know, yes. you want them to have a rich, full life. And that includes taking care of themselves. And that includes things outside of parenthood or, you know, being a spouse. That includes, you know, whatever random things you like to do for fun or hobbies yeah. or things that make you feel good. Um, so, you know, if you you know, you want to model for your kids a life that um, you know, you would want for them. So I think think that's that's so, I think that's a really big part of it. And remembering that the way we model what we want for our kids and frankly, for everybody, one of the things I actually said at the retreat, um, was we have to not only, we have to learn how to take care of ourselves and then we have to teach other people how to take care of us. And sometimes what happens in relationship with people, be it family members, your spouse, your kids is we teach them. By not taking care of ourselves, we teach them to take us for granted, to right. like not pay attention to like what our needs are. And I think that's really, it's crucial because eventually it just sort of feels a lot of resentment in our personal relationships because eventually you need things. You need things. <laughs> right. We need these, yeah, we need these intangible things. And if I'm not, if I haven't become good at practicing how to do it for me, then 
the people I love, it's not because they don't care and they don't want to. They're just not going to do it. Right. Well, and they've gotten used to you sort of not expressing that you have these needs. Yeah. It's like, oh, you you need things? I wasn't aware. <laughs> you hadn't shared that with me. Yeah. And, and, and if you go long enough, there'll be a little bit of pushback. Like, wait a minute. Why do you need things all of a sudden? But... <laughs> I think it's important to sort of, if you get through that little phase, like people who love you, they want to take care of you. Right. They just need you to like actually, yeah. And nobody wants to take care of somebody who's unwilling to take care of themselves. I think that's the other half of it is. Right. You got to be willing to do that. Yeah. So, all right. So it's like my favorite time. It's my favorite time because I feel like you always have really good stuff to share and I don't have to say anything except for like, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm going to do that. But it's time for RLW, Read, Listen, Watch. So um, if you're new to the podcast, RLW or Read, Listen, Watch is basically the point in the show where we share something that um, at least one of us is reading, listening to, or watching that we think is cool, awesome. Yeah, interesting. I always feel Funny. old when I say like, oh, it's cool. Like, how old am I? <laughs> Makes me feel super, like, just the old, like, really corny mom who feels like she's still, like, hip and, like, with it, but she's not. Yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> let's talk about what you are reading, listening, watching to, whatever. What's what's on your radar today? So, what's on my radar is um, I am, Esther and I have talked about this, like, I'm a total podcast nerd, so I listen to a bunch of different podcasts. <laughs> and I found a new one from NPR called The Hidden Brain. Um, which is really interesting. It, it basically, it's it's a new podcast, but I think they've been doing clips, like they've been doing sort of little clips long before this like whole big podcast started. Um, but it kind of focuses on sort of different psychological or emotional processes, but oh, does cool. so in a much cooler way than I just explained. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean people other than therapists might actually be interested in that? Yes, people okay. other than therapists would definitely be interested. Anyway, the one that I listened to that that's out so far is on what they call switch tracking, which is essentially, it's super interesting, but it was it's basically how when you're in an argument with someone, like someone brings up a problem and then somebody else will start either arguing about another aspect of that problem or they'll take it to a totally different tangent. And then you're both arguing, but about two different things. So it's literally like the train switches tracks and each of you keeps going in a different direction. (laughs) And so, which, you know, of course the therapist in me loves, Um, but it's just totally interesting. Like they play clips, they play examples of how people sort of, you think you're both, you think you're both arguing about the same thing and you're not even both you're arguing not. about the same thing. Yes. You're, you've gone down two totally different tracks. So I highly recommend the switch tracking episode on Hidden Brain because I thought that was super interesting. I think it's super interesting. It sounds like basically every other argument with my husband and like yeah. every couple session in my office. Like right. <laughs> somewhere like it totally happens. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, the Hidden Brain. Yes. Like it. NPR. NPR. I'm sure you can find it. I found it on iTunes. Okay. And I'm sure it's on like Stitcher and um, some of those other podcast platforms. Yeah. And we'll always try to like, in the show notes, we'll try to make sure that it's it's down there and you can find it pretty easily. So that will be the plan there. Um, all right. So it is along those same lines, my second favorite time, sometimes my first favorite point in the show. 
therapist problems, <laughs> which is essentially, um, which I like therapist problems because in my head, it's sort of a play on words because on the one hand, either we're talking about therapist problems, like problems that therapists have that maybe everyone else doesn't have. I don't know. It's like special <laughs> for us therapists. We have these weird problems. But also, I talk to people about this idea of therapist problems, like problems that are big enough for you to take to a therapist. Because I think sometimes people don't go to therapy or don't consider it because they think their problem isn't a therapist-worthy problem. Yeah. And every problem is a therapist-worthy problem. Sure. I mean, like Tara was talking about, I mean, self-care, like, and anything that gets in the way of you, like, totally enjoying your life yes is a good re- is like a good therapist problem like exactly. that's what we live for like it does not need to be a crisis exactly so i think with that in mind i think the therapist problem i want to talk about today is which is actually good for the whole podcast you just mentioned the what is it switch switch tracking switch tracking okay so switch tracking so i had a friend ask me about like they were they have another friend that's not actually a mutual friend. It's another couple I don't really know. But every time they go out, they are arguing. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? Oh, my gosh. You know, and it's not, like, overwhelming. But, like, what do you do when you're out with that couple who, like, just either they're in a rough patch or, like, that's just their dynamic is, like, they kind of get into it. Like, how do you sort of navigate that? Like, do you give an opinion? Do you mind your business? Do you stop hanging out with them? Like, <laughs> Yeah. What is, like, what's the option? Like, what do you do with that? And I think we've all kind of been there at once or twice, depending, sure. you know, but what do you do? That's an interesting problem to have, especially, mm-hmm. I think it's tricky. Well, I think we have to separate two things. Like, one is if it's just a one-off, right? Like, if it's just a one-off and a couple is, you know, whatever with mm-hmm. each other, then I would probably just say just ignore it. And unless they're keeping you from actually making it to dinner or whatever, I'd just be like, that was a weird night. Let's move on. But if it's happening frequently, I feel like I feel like I would want to say something before you go out with them again and, and say that, you know, it makes you feel uncomfortable and you're not really sure what to do. To go to the friend and say, you know, whoever you're close to in that couple yeah. and say, you know, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable and I'm not really sure what to do when you guys start arguing and, you know, we're sort of out trying to have dinner or go yeah. see a show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like if you try to bring it up in the moment, if they're really heated or if they're really sort of emotionally entangled, they're not going to be able to hear you anyway. Like, they're, yeah. they're, you, they don't care about you at that moment, really. They yeah. may not even care about the other person at that moment. <laughs> Hence the yelling at them at dinner. Right. Hence the, like, all of the the back and forth. And, you know, the thing I said to um, this friend of mine who sort of brought it up was, you know, the other part is that triangulation, which is a thing, you know, I know it's, like, so, like, therapist of me to say triangulation. But basically that, you know, you we sort of pull another person in. And I feel like one of the easiest ways to get, I mean, I even use it in my office, is, like, to get a couple who's, like, at each other's throats Mm -hmm. back on the same team is to give them somebody else to be mad at Mm -hmm. or, like, some other thing. And so (laughs) I was sort of saying to my friend, like, you might, you want to sort of be careful, like, tread lightly in terms of being, getting involved and saying something in the moment because on the one hand, it could be really helpful for them. Right. um, But it'll be helpful for them in the sense that they will, like, rally together, like, 
how dare you butt in? Or why would you say that about, you know, my husband or my wife or my boyfriend or whatever? Mm -hmm. And now you're sort of the problem all of a sudden. And so like not doing that, but I just thought it was, it was just an interesting dynamic. Like, I feel like we've personally, I feel like I've lucked out. Like not that all my couple friends don't fight. They just, they don't do it with us. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I also, it it also depends on the tenor because I think, as you kind of said, the tenor of the conversation, Mm -hmm. I mean, as you kind of said, the, the beginning, sometimes that's the couple dynamic. Like my husband and I are kind of famous for, picking at each other when we're driving, mm-hmm. when one of us is driving, that we will, like, make little, little like, quips at each other. Mm-hmm. And for other people in the car, they're like, what's going on? But for us, it's not, I don't feel like I'm angry or he's angry. Like, we're going to get out of the car and it's fine. Like, we laugh nice night. at each other and we laugh at ourselves about it. Like, it's fine. But if if we don't, you know, if I notice, like, a friend getting uncomfortable, uncomfortable I'll say to them, like, we're okay. Everybody's okay. <laughs> so same thing I say to the dog when the mailman comes to the door. We're okay. Everybody's, Everybody's okay. okay. There's no need to get anxious. <laughs> Nobody's leaving. Mommy and daddy are fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, which is so true. I think, you know, we, you and I have talked a little bit too. Like, you know, I'm a yeller. I, you know, I admit that, which I think people find appalling. Like, what sort of couples therapist is a yeller? But I am. You know, my mom's a yeller. Like, I love her to death. And, like, it it's just is what it is. Right. But there is that piece of, like, how well do you know people, too? And, you know, can you tolerate their own dynamic, which is, like, you know, my husband is famous for saying, like, random weird things that other people are kind of like, oh, what did he just say? Why would he, like, I, you know, and I'm just like... Oh, what? He said something? What? <laughs> what <laughs> happened? Fine. And the rest of us are like, what did he just say? Oh, my God. But it's part of sort of the dynamic. And it's not, I should preface this. He'll be appalled if he listens to this episode. Like, I'm, it's not that he's, I'm saying like, oh, he's just sort of like this gruff guy who says like crazy things or whatever. But there's just a dynamic to his personality right. that like, if you don't know him well, you can take some of that as being like really serious. And it's not serious or the intent like the meaning behind it is not necessarily what people sort of assume right um so I feel like you're right there's that piece too is like what's the dynamic like is it fine or whatever but yeah do they seem really stressed out or are they kind of like poking fun at each other and like right is it playful or is it really like seems hostile or yeah that kind of thing yeah so I don't know if that helps your friend but well, hopefully. We'll find out. We'll see. <laughs> I was just like, just don't invite them when you invite me. <laughs> uh, because speaking of therapist problems, there's always the, like, then you're the therapist in the room. Oh, yes. So, which we can talk about on another episode, which is that whole, you know, being the therapist at the party and yes. what that looks like. I just, I was just at a wedding recently. And I think that that'll be my therapist problem for the next episode. <laughs> Well, one of one of my professors would say that whenever he was on an airplane, he'd tell people he was an accountant because, you know, he just if if they have a captive audience, you can't leave. You're on the plane. Yeah. Sort of start talking about whatever. For it's five hours. It is very true. Even people, when I say it, who kind of scoff and are like, oh, I would never go to therapy, then proceed to talk to me for like the entire flight. Right. About <laughs> Basically, the things that they should be going to therapy for. Like, this is what a therapist would do with you. Exactly. But they're like, oh, therapy's silly. It's, I'm like, stupid. 
for losers. <laughs> like, but this is what we're doing right now for free in an airplane. And I can't leave. Uh, yeah, that is definitely that is definitely a topic for another episode. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to thank Tara again because yeah. I just I love you know just her whole mission and and purpose. I think it's really great, and I love the self care stuff. Yeah, no, she's really great, and I really like how she makes everything, how she makes things very actionable. Um, I really appreciate that. I think that's pretty awesome. Me too. All right, well, tune in next week. With that being said, we're all done today. Awesome. <laughs> all right, so I'm Esther Boykin, and this I'm is Mark Turner. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking for other episodes or just want more information, you can visit us at estherboykin.com backslash podcast. You can also visit conversationsoffthecouch.com backslash podcast, and you will get loads of uh, more information and really awesome episodes. And um, every, and the show notes will be there so that you can go check out The Hidden Brain and all the other really cool stuff that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs>